This is Monty in the Morning, the show Phoenix Magazine readers voted number one talk radio show in Arizona. Number one during your morning commute. Number one whenever news breaks during your day. And number one whenever and wherever you want to talk sports. Now it's time for Monty in the Morning. Hey, yo, man, we're back. Hello. We're back in the crib, man. Welcome back to Salt Lake City. Jake. Hello. Are you happy to be home? Yeah, it's nice, admittedly. Admittedly, it is nice. Back off the road. L.A. for two weeks was spectacular. But we are back. Bill Mickelson is not back. Uh, Pudi is not back. How about this shit going on in Ukraine, dude? Bro. It's not good. It's a little nutty. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up. Uh, we have got to talk about buying treadmills. Are treadmills anything other than a drying rack? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'll tell you about the treadmill. Jake's fat because he eats hot pockets. Yeah. And the Utah Jazz have won eight of nine games, which, my friends, in case you were curious, is where we're we going to start this fine program this morning. Uh, a massive weekend of success and domination. Yeah. For the Utah Jazz as they absolutely came out rolling and they swept two games, Jake, that frankly I think were really important. Uh, they beat the Dallas Mavericks on Friday night. Mm-hmm. They beat the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix yesterday to start this road trip. To me, Jake, these are two monumental wins for this club. Yeah, I think it says a lot. I, I, I think that the Jazz are... You know, the Jazz are, are trying to create this push that we talked about last week, you know, where where you're if you if you watched the show last week or you can go back and look, we specifically talked about how this team would need to go would ideally go nineteen and five to end the year. I mean, that's what your goal is as a team. That's what you're shooting for. And and when I look at I look at what this team has done over the last month or so, you know, February and, and the end of January. The end of January sucked. You know, you lost what was that five in a row, I think it was, and, and everybody was down and saying, you know, that, that the season was basically over, and then you've bounced back here with a nice run. You know, you've won you've won eight of your last nine, and you're you know, you're looking nice, if you will. So I think that this team is bouncing back well. That said, you know, again, the other side of it is, you know, you're gonna be in a place where now you're gonna be rested as well. So like again, you played Friday, then you played Sunday. Now you're going to be off until Wednesday. I got news for you. Being off for three days or two days, really, I guess that'd be two full days, and then obviously most of your game day, that's huge for an NBA team. So I think, yeah, these were two big wins. I think, you know, last night specifically against Phoenix, you know, I thought that was kind of an insane game. You know, at one point the Jazz were down a pretty good amount. Then the Suns were down by, I think, nine with like five minutes to go. You know, and, and they, you know, the, the Jazz end up winning by four. And everyone wants to say, well, Jay Crowder threw the game away. But I don't really think it was all on Jay Crowder. You know, the classic sports situation. Hey, a guy at the end of the game didn't make a play, so it's all his fault. I don't really think that's how really the game played out. But I think come on. Were... That is, listen, man, it is shocking. He, he, yeah, I mean, it was he a bad just mistake. straight. Yeah, I mean, he straight up threw the ball in the stance. Isn't that why he's not a Jazz man anymore? I guess. I but... mean, for all, for all the people who were who were pissed off. Yeah. I mean, this is exactly why Jay Crowder doesn't play for the Utah Jazz anymore. Yeah, I, I think that Jay Crowder has been great as a Phoenix Sun. I, I think he that was a that was a an awful play, a terrible mistake. 
you know, yeah, in the moment, could you could you say, well, you know, if he just gets the ball to book, book's got about two seconds to make something happen. And he book could, had book had been really hot the last yeah, five mean, minutes you know, of the game. You like your chances, right? I mean, yeah, you like your chances. But that said, I I think what's what's more important to talk about here is what what officials are letting go and what they're not letting go. Meaning that all night long you were you they were allowing Rudy and and Aiton to kind of push each other around and play a pretty physical game, you know. And I thought that Daniel House brought a lot of phys- physicality as well to Devin Booker. Uh, I think it was very notable. I think a lot of people are talking about that Royce O'Neal seemingly has been passed by House, which is kind of crazy how quickly that happened. But I think he, he's earned it, you know. And I think as long as he can make the three at a reasonable rate, he's going to be out there a lot. So, yeah, I mean, I, I look at these two wins and I say, okay, you know, these are two huge wins. And by the way, a small, uh, another small note, I think if you're a Jazz fan, is losing to that Laker team was kind of a shock to the system on Wednesday because they have looked really, really bad. So after you lost that game to bounce back and win these two, I think, you know, kind of tells you where, where the team's at right now. Yeah, and I, I also think that the Daniel House thing is significant. We've talked a lot about Royce O'Neal on this show uh, we have <clears throat> advocated for months and months to sit to, to sit Royce O'Neal down. Now, before Daniel House was on this team, I don't know that that was really an option because you didn't have something better than Royce O'Neal. Now I think certainly Daniel House showed you that he can play multiple positions or defend multiple positions on the floor. He's much better than Royce in the pick and roll. Um, I think he is a guy that fights through the screen instead of just defaulting under it. Um, And I think he showed you that he can body up guys. And I think that's exactly what Royce O'Neal's lost the ability to do now. And I also think Daniel House hit several big threes for the Jazz. That three out of the corner late in the game was an absolute difference maker. Mm -hmm. So while I don't think he locked down any one player, I absolutely think he made them a better defensive player uh, you know, club in the last few minutes of that game. And I, I don't think there's any question that defense has become the priority for this team. I don't think there's any doubt that, that, you know, you, you look at Don's game, he has stepped up defensively. You look at the way that he is, he is being much more tenacious. He is being much more aggressive defensively. Now you're still getting lapses out of Boyan Bogdanovich. Frankly, the, the miscommunication in the paint is shocking from the Jazz on a lot of the, you know, Devin Booker was having his way in the in the mid-range because nobody was stepping up. And Hassan Whiteside, don't get me wrong, I think Hassan played a very good game yesterday, but he also has to be better defensively. Mm-hmm. He's got to step up and take that mid-range shot because that's where the Utah Jazz are vulnerable. So I think you can clean these things up, but make no mistake about it. This team's won 89 games. They are red hot. I thought the 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 fact that the Dallas Mavericks couldn't find a way to exploit Rudy Gobert in that pick and roll switch, and that you had him one on one with Luka Doncic, and again, Luka's never going to be confused for John Morant when it comes to quickness. <laughs> but I don't know what what Luka was doing, and I say, hey, Rudy Gobert's the Defensive Player of the Year three times over for a reason. He absolutely shut down Luka Doncic in that one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the the couple of block shots that we saw were were pivotal in winning that game. This is what Utah Jazz 
basketball should look like. Yeah, I think I think the intensity is definitely ramped up for this team. I think that they understand the situation they're in. And again, I I just want to um <clears throat> I want to keep talking about this. So when you look at when you look at standings and you look at where everybody is at, you yes. know, the Jazz don't have endless endless breathing room. You know, you're you're in a place where you know, you're you've only got a three game cushion to the to to the Mavericks, I believe it is. And the problem is, you know, you're you're a full three games behind the Grizzlies. So the conversation isn't, well, if they go 19 and five, let's say, you know, can they get a higher seed? That's not really what this team's trying to do. This team is trying to just stay right where they are in the four spot. Again, you're 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 what is this three and a half games ahead of Dallas and Denver yeah. and you're full three games behind Memphis. So you're, you've got a good cushion, but you've also got a big cushion to get to the next spot. So I think if this team can just be consistent, bring this type of energy and effort defensively, you're going to see good things are going to happen on the offensive end. And, and if that happens and this team again, shoots 40% from three, you know, you're going to be tough to beat. But I think this is something where you can now see the value and the importance of Donovan Mitchell. Mm -hmm. When you look at the way that this team, and I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, you look at the way this team is constructed, and it, it really has been, for most of the last three years, centered around Rudy Gobert. And his defense, and his defense is phenomenal. But what you've seen over the last month of the season, especially since Donovan returned from the concussion, this team is very squarely built on Donovan Mitchell on the floor now, philosophically speaking. You're not going to be able to remake this roster. You're not going to be able to inject energy on the wings until the offseason. Mm -hmm. But you can very clearly see the focal point of this basketball team is Donovan Mitchell now. Um, the high pick and roll has become less and less. And I agree with you. I think one of the interesting trends that if you're a Jazz fan, you need to watch, how much is Rudy Gobert getting away with? Because I think there's no doubt his screens are questionable at best. I think we saw multiple times in the paint, especially in the last five minutes, he holds guys down on the floor by their uniform. And he he was, I mean, the, the TV broadcast showed it three times um, where he had, you know, Mikhail Bridges one time, um, DeAndre Ayton, he had DeAndre Ayton by the, the belt, way, the waistline of his pants. And there was no call made. If Rudy's not going, if they're not going to blow the whistle there, Rudy's going to dominate. And I think we saw that. And I think, that is something that the Jazz desperately need. Mm -hmm. They need Rudy to be able to play physical. They need him to be able to get away with those screens on top, roll to the basket, and then, I mean, do what you got to do to hold a guy on uh, down on the floor. Because if you're able to keep Mikhail Bridges on the floor, you're going to win that battle most of the time. Mikhail's advantage is he's able to get up over you. He's got really, really, really d dominating length. But when you're holding his jersey and his shorts and he can't jump, that's going to make it difficult for him to use that length. So as much as Rudy Gobert bitches and moans at the officials, he is getting a lot of benefit of the doubt here. Well, and I think if you're the Jazz, you want him to abuse that. You, you're basically yes. saying, hey, you know, push the envelope as far as you can push it. You know, again, don't – I mean, we're not trying to commit flagrant fouls or anything, but I think that, you know, yeah, hold guys as much as you can. I, I think, you know, when you say – I want people to be real clear what you mean by – his screens are questionable at best. What that means is not that they're not good screens. It's the legality of the screen. Hey, a lot of the time he is moving a little bit or he is, 
you know, sticking his hips out and making it even harder for the guy to go over the screen. Like, like Rudy, from that standpoint, is doing a good job. I think what will be really interesting to see is just simply how it's officiated because the, all the things that he is doing, you know, the holding of the shorts, the way he sets the screen, you know, he got away all night long with pushing guys in the back. Like, they weren't calling any of that stuff. And, and so that is a big part of Rudy's game, no doubt. The problem will be, like, will they allow that in the playoffs? Will that be officiated differently in the playoffs? Because that changes the dynamic of a game. So if I was Quinn Snyder, I'd be saying, Rudy, hey, abuse this until they start blowing the whistle. Why wouldn't you? I mean, that's that's what I'd be doing. If you can get away with setting the screen the way that Rudy is setting the screen, which is, as you talked about, he's never set. Mm -hmm. He is constantly moving. He is using his elbows. He is using his hips. He is, drop that yeah, I mean, he is leaning. It, it's a great way to set a screen in the NBA because yes. it makes it very difficult to get around that. I think the bigger thing is when you're looking at the way that he is he is operating in the paint. Rudy Gobert right now is is getting the favor of the officials. And we talk a lot about his relationship with the officials. We talk a lot about his incessant complaining. And we saw that yesterday again. He is getting calls and he is still complaining about the call, even though they gave him the call. Yeah. Um, but he is getting away with, I mean, to your point, the, the forearm shiv in the back of DeAndre Ayton that led to the tip dunk, mm -hmm. I don't know how you don't call that. Yeah, well, and the thing is, the baseline official standing right there, so it's not a thing where they don't see it. And this is kind of my point. The official sees that that's going on. Yeah. But isn't blowing the whistle. And so my, my point here in all of this is, if you're a Jazz fan, you're thrilled with that. Hey, if you're not going to blow the whistle, we're going to continue doing that all night long. Yeah. Why wouldn't we? Yes. You know, and, and I think that... I think that if you're anybody playing the Utah Jazz, there's going to have to be a strategy of getting in Rudy's head. I mean, that's what I think. Like, if I'm playing the Jazz, that's probably where I'm starting. I'm saying, okay, we need to come out, and we need to be physical with Rudy. We need to show him that, yes, sure, he can push guys around, but we're going to push back. And I think last night, and this has been storied through DeAndre Ayton's career so far, that he's not a tough guy, that he's on the softer side of big men. And I think that, you know, when you're playing, notice what happens when Rudy goes up against, let's say, Joel or Jokic. Most of the time, there's some flagrants involved in that game. Most of the time, there's some pushing, some shoving, you know, like some really physical, you know, basketball that pushes the envelope of getting ejected, you know. In this game last night, that was never the case. It was one-sided. Rudy was dominating physically, and he had his way. And I think that's what contributes to to being able to hold the Suns off and being able to get all those extra putbacks. Because think about it. You won by four points. Yeah. If Rudy doesn't get a putback here, a putback there, that's the difference in this game. And that's why the officiating on that front matters so much. But let me be clear. I love that Rudy is doing these things. I love that he's the willingness to, you know, push guys around and, and really be physical down there is starting to come out a little bit. I, they're going to need that if they have any chance in the postseason. Well, and I also think, I mean, very clearly, um, these are two big wins. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't know if There's you're no a Jazz fan. It. Yeah, I, I would be rejoicing. I mean, yeah. and that you want it with Donovan Mitchell leading the, the, the front. Mm-hmm. I think it's huge, and 
I think that's where this team will thrive. We we get so caught up in defense. We get so caught up in, you know, all these minutia conversations. But at the end of the day, you have to score more than your opponent scores. And I know that seems idiotic and simplistic. This team at times gets plotting and methodical offensively. Mm-hmm. In the last 10 games, we haven't seen that. And again, I just want to point out, like with the schedule, just so we're all on the same page, hear me say this. I really don't think this team should lose again until March 14th yeah. against Milwaukee. That's the first game where I'm like, okay, that's Milwaukee. That's the champions. Like, they're a damn good team. You know, that's going to be a tough matchup for anybody, including there the There are some tough stretches, though. And I don't want to make it seem like this is an easy schedule because – Frankly, it's not. I mean, if you look at what's ahead here, you're going to have a tough time. You know, Houston's been hit or miss. Um, you should you should beat Houston, right? Mm-hmm. New Orleans is very good right now. New Orleans, I mean, now the Lakers have not been very good, but they blew the Lakers out at, at Crypto.com Arena. Crypto. I mean, Crypto Staples Center. Um, going to OKC, the Thunder have given the Jazz fits. Um, at Dallas again next Monday, a week from today, it's a massive game. And I think that's that's one again, if you're like if you're a jazz fan who can't watch every single night, that's one I'd be circling on the calendar to watch. That is a playoff preview. Yes. You obviously we just talked about how you beat Dallas at home on Friday. So let's see what you can do on the road. And you know, obviously you come back against Portland. Should be a win. Uh Portland, I'm telling you now, Portland <laughs> Even without Damon CJ. I mean, anyway, that should be a win. Mm-hmm. You have some landmines in there. You have some really athletic teams that have, have given you trouble in recent times. But what I'm telling you is I would be paying very close attention to the way this team plays consistently. Mm-hmm. And more and more trends are emerging on this Utah Jazz team. Uh, Mike Conley's inability to finish in the paint is is becoming very... It's a thing. It's a thing. It's absolutely say, a, it's thing. a thing. It's something to watch. Yeah. I, I mean, Mike Conley's inability to, to get into the paint and finish is, is troubling. Um, I think you're looking at Daniel house potentially taking over for Royce O'Neal. Um, I think you're looking at Hassan Whiteside. Watch Hassan Whiteside very closely because when Hassan Whiteside is on, he's engaged, he's energetic, he's playing well, he's running hard. They're a much better team. Mm-hmm. The Utah Jazz are a much better team. I am by no means telling you that Hassan Whiteside is win or lose for this team, but what I'm telling you is he makes a significant difference when he is active and energetic on defense. Yeah. Anything he gives you offensively is, is again, just butter on your toast, right? Like, yeah, it's all good. When he's ready to go defensively, I, they're a much better team. <laughs> and again... I would just tell you that this team is going to go as Don's going to go. Donovan Mitchell is the single most important player on this team. Mm -hmm. They have won eight of nine because he is playing well. It was a little concerning that he was out for that long stretch with his, whatever that was, a foot or ankle. Um, He got stepped on and then he clearly landed awkwardly. Mm -hmm. That was a little concerning. Now, a lot of people tell you that ankle injuries, the severity that he had, um, they're going to take time. They're going to take time to heal, and it's not a month. LeBron will tell you it took him a full year to get over that. 
So I just think that's something to watch. Yeah. But bask in this glory. They've won eight of nine. They've just beaten two contenders, one of them the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. And I see several comments where, hey, Chris Paul wasn't playing. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. That's the Phoenix Suns in Phoenix. That's the team that's in front of you. Yeah. And they are a very good team. With or without, that's a very good team. The negatives here, the things I'd be worried about, Mike Conley certainly, fourth quarter stability is a big problem for this team. And especially in, in tight moments, the Jazz have not been able to support in, in – I mean, they had a, at one point a 10-point lead in, with a minute left to play. Yeah. And they're giving up – like that open three to Devin Booker. How is Devin Booker ever that wide open? No idea. How is that even a possibility? Well, and there was a clear strategy to double book most of the night. I mean, you could see them, you know, biasing their defense towards him. And he still found a way to get open late in the game. So, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. And, and he – by the way, by the way, yeah. we had a huge fight yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, I almost wanted to sit on your face and, and burn a deuce, but keep I didn't. it real. Yeah, I mean, I was keeping <laughs> it real. I don't know why I just said that. But you you are – we argued over Devin Booker. Let's settle this right now. Like, it was, it was blood sport. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I went all Wolverine and my talons or whatever bone shit comes out of his hands. Mine came out. <laughs> right? Like, my, mine came out. Right, right. I'm telling you, the narrative that Devin Booker isn't a big game player is ridiculous. Did he shoot well yesterday? No, he did not. Do the stats say he played a good game? Yes, they do. Was Devin Booker at his best yesterday? Not close. Not close. And I think what you're seeing is Devin Booker is having to be the entire team right now. Um, with Chris Paul out, water's wet, Chris Paul's hurt. Mm -hmm. uh, with Chris Paul out, Devin Booker's having to carry a significantly heavier load. Yep. And I think what Bro, you're free, seeing is... Free ESPN ads are playing again. Come on. They just running wild, man. <laughs> they out here wilding. Yeah. He was 12 of 24 and 4 of 8 from 3. It's not a bad game. But he didn't shoot well. He scored 30 points. He was... Dev was really good late. D book wet like on book mm -hmm. was very good. There was a jazz fan narrative that, oh, Daniel House locked him down. No, he didn't. Devin Booker, <laughs> hey, man, all I'll say is I thought he played really well in the fourth quarter, but the third quarter, he missed a lot of shots. Yeah, my biggest complaint with book is, is very simple. It is that. When I, I don't feel like right now, like with his reputation as a player, right? You, you can say, hey, Devin Booker made big shots, you know, at the end of the game to, to win this game or that game for his team. Does Devin Booker fill up the stat sheet? Is Devin Booker one of the best scorers in the league? Is Devin Booker a, a force to be reckoned with in the West? 100%. Is Devin Booker uh, a guy that will will beat you if you give him an open look with two seconds left of his teammate could pass it to him? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. Yep. But I want to see him make that big shot in the postseason. I want, I want that for him. I want him to have the Kevin Durant foot on the line moment where everybody knew that ball was going in, but his toe is so damn big that it, it wasn't a three. It was a two. I want book to get those kind of opportunities to really cement himself as one of the absolute like top five players in the league that like, that's where I feel like 
Book is at. You know, it's not, I don't, there's no question that Book can score with the best of them or fill up a, a stat sheet or he's someone that you got to scheme and plan for. There's no doubt about any of that. But, but I, it just in my opinion, I think he has work to do when it comes to the clutch factor. When it comes to, hey, there's two minutes left and you're down five, your team needs absolute buckets right now. That's what I want him to work on. And the only way you can work on that is by playing big games, missing big shots, and then taking more big shots. But I, this is what it is. I would simply say, and obviously this is the regular season, who's been the most clutch player in the NBA this year? Yeah, sure. I would say DeMar DeRozan's been more clutch than Devin Booker. DeMar okay. DeRozan has like 10 game-winning shots this year. Yeah. Like, hey, man. I mean, I don't even think that it's close that DeMar DeRozan is the most clutch player in the league. And listen, I want you to preach the gospel of DeMar. Yeah. I mean, he should be in the MVP conversation. He's not. Mm -hmm. um, but Devin Booker, I would agree with you that <clears throat> Book needs to be better in the postseason. I think he needs to be. But, I mean, and, and by the way, mm -hmm. We were arguing over this, and, you know, your your little punk ass was saying, well, he's not good in postseason. He doesn't score points. He's never scored I a never point. Said he's that. never hit a shot in the postseason. Devin Booker sucks. Never said that. Um, and I went on to tell you, well, I think he's a career, what is he, 24-something points a game. Well, in the postseason, he scores about 28 points a game, 27.7. Cool. The biggest issue for Devin Booker in the postseason, he doesn't make his threes. He shoots 27% from three in the postseason. Got to be better than that. I want – so here's the thing. Book mm -hmm. is capable of doing what the greats have done in the postseason. He is capable of torturing you. He is capable of putting up like, you know, 40. Like, I think what I think it was uh, I was looking last night. I can't remember. Like in the Clippers series, I think he had a 47 point performance. And like, you know, he has he puts up these big performances. But it's like, OK, that was game two. Where are we at in game six and game seven? We remember yeah. the fourteen point game. And like so again, in he his was defense, a, there's no doubt he was a no show in the in the postseason last year. In, especially in the finals. But in his defense, I think on the other side of the conversation, it really was his first postseason. It really was his first run through uh like a his, it was his first NBA finals run through the postseason. So I think there's a lot you learn in that. I, like last night, while I was watching him torture Daniel House, because I do think he was messing with him, I do think he got several tic-tac calls from the officials just by simply allowing House to come up and pressure him and then swing through. But you through. cannot like, – I don't understand why defenders in this league – and it happened last night in the Golden State game. Yeah. Stop putting your arm out in front of you when you're playing Steph Curry, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. Listen, this has been going when you on since do Kobe. This, yeah, when you do this – when, like, you're defending a guy and you're like this, he's going to swing through. You're going to hit his arm. They're going to blow the whistle. <laughs> a plus B equals you're an idiot. The like, rule clearly states. Yeah, the rule clearly states bent forearm to the lower back or hip region is legal. Why are you doing this? Oh, what a loser. I don't understand. And then you it. get upset when the official blows the whistle. So my point just is. Is I think that book is one of the best players in the game. I think he's a great scorer. I think he can do everything for you. But I think he has work to do on his legacy. I think he's got work to do on 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 really ratcheting up that I'm gonna kill you in the postseason mentality, like the you know the the greats in the game have done. But by know? the way, by the way, your little boner boy, Kevin Durant. Your little boner boy. What am I supposed to say to that? Like, <laughs> what you want me to say to that? I, I mean, know, I, what man. am I supposed to say to that? Uh, your, your guy, Kevin Durant, um, 
he is somebody right now that's at a real important moment in his career, I think. Mm -hmm. When you look at now, I don't know how many people saw the news, but the city of New York essentially has said after March 7th, which I think is a week from today, Kyrie Irving can play home games. But there is a question. There's one caveat with that that people are concerned about. It's caveat, please. Caveat, please. That is for the public, that, mm -hmm. that lifting of vaccine mandates or whatever. The private sector mandate has not been lifted yet, and there's concern that that won't be lifted and that will still hold Kyrie back. I don't think so. I, I Again, and maybe I just have small little testicles. I don't know. I don't know. But dude. you show me the guy that's got the balls to walk in and hand the, the Brooklyn Nets a fine. This is a code 10 abort. After you, after you lift public COVID restrictions, and you're like, nah, fuck you, Kyrie. You can't play. You're going to sit your ass at home. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe fuck <laughs> you know, like, they're not – get out of here. Like, if you're going to lift restrictions, he's going to play. Yeah. And, and yeah. in my mind, we're being a little ridiculous with it, but it is what it is. I this think is if – fucking America. Yeah, if they get him back – Yeah. If they get KD, Kyrie, and Curry playing together, I'm telling you they're the best team in the East. Yeah, Seth Curry is uh... – He's that guy that'll come off the bench and be a problem. But by the way, fat ass who's not so fat, fat anymore. Fat ass. <laughs> James Harden. Fat. Yeah, James Harden. Fat. He's actually balling out in Philly. Yeah, it's been two games. Well, games. but but did you notice? Did you notice what his presence has done? Mm -hmm. It has yeah, allowed more space. Yeah, it allowed Joel Embiid to to operate. That dynamic is what Donovan Mitchell doesn't have. Exactly right. That dynamic between between James Harden and Joel is what Donovan doesn't have. And yeah. I really hope this summer Totes. that gets addressed because I think if Donovan just simply had more space to work with, I mean, literally last night, his crossover game is filthy right now. I yeah. mean, he got, he got book. He got, he got several guy. He got Mikhail bridges with it. Like he got several guys uh, from the Suns with that crossover. And I just think that if he, if they could find this summer, if they could find some balance on the offensive end, with another guy you have to respect offensively, I think that'd be phenomenal for his game. But, dude, Buckets O'Neal. Sorry if you're offended by that. Anyway, no. My point no, is. not Buckets O'Neal. Buckets O'Bench, okay? <laughs> thank you. Buckets O'Bench. Yeah, thank you. Somebody get that word to Bowler. <laughs> buckets O'Bench. <laughs> um, anyway, the point is, uh, I, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot. The Lakers are an absolute disaster. I mean, the, 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 when is the last time we can say the Lakers didn't make a trade because they didn't want to spend more money? Whatever. Think about that. They didn't make the John Wall trade because they didn't want to spend more money. Yeah. And it's killing them. I mean, it's absolutely killing them. And I think LeBron is, is showing you that he has got a ton left in the tank. They got embarrassed by New Orleans last night again in Los Dude, Angeles. Genie bus walked out. But fucking LeBron was incredible. Yeah. Like he again, I, I really need to learn to go to bed, but whatever. Again, last night, I just, I'm watching him play mm -hmm. and I, I just don't know how he's doing it. Mm -hmm. I really, this is one of those things where like, if it were baseball, we'd be saying he's on steroids. <laughs> like I'm serious. He is last night. LeBron James, 36 minutes, 32 points, six boards, three assists, two steals, two blocks, like eight, 13 to 23. He actually went five of five from the free throw line. Line of Kane and B12. I don't know how he's doing it because, by the way, 
they really got nothing from nobody else. Like they got Carmelo Anthony is the only guy scoring off of the bench for the Lakers. I look at the way Russ is playing right now. The guy cannot hit water from a boat. Bro, what are you talking about, man? 16 points, 0 of 2 from 3, 5 of 15 from the floor. <laughs> Six of his 16 were from five the free throw line. 15. They were, but seriously, think about that. You score 16 uh... points. He shot so poorly that six of his points were from the free throw line. Dude. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they do. They've tried to change the lineup. They started Trevor Ariza. Like, they and, – and the shocking thing is they're awful defensively. You're so fucked. Yeah, like, it's not that they can't score. That's not even the biggest issue. They're terrible defensively. After the street closed Davis. And, you know, this is why I say, how did they lose to – I don't know if Jazz lose to the Lakers. Embarrassing. I, 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 it's embarrassing. I don't know. And by the way, if if speaking of fat ass, if Zion Williamson <laughs> would come back and play basketball, CJ McCallum, looks, he looks like he has been there his entire life. Yeah. That dude is just dude, I'm smooth. Telling you, when you can score the way he can score, it doesn't matter what jersey you're wearing. You're eight, of, buckets. eight of 15, four, seven from three, 22 points. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's not even like it's not it's not a thing. I'm three. Yeah, yeah. He, seriously. And I. I this is why I say Zion Williamson, and we took a lot of heat. We had a, a conversation a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was now, about whether Zion Williamson was the biggest bust in the NBA. Fat. I'm telling you, they have put so much into him, and he has just given them nothing. Mm -hmm. And the sad part is, when he actually plays, he's a really he's a prolific scorer. Like the numbers tell you that Zion Williamson can put the ball in the bucket. But that dude just can't stay healthy. It, it, it's So anyway, I say that because looking at, at these teams across the NBA, looking at Golden State losing last night, I think you're in a time where there's, there's going to be this lull mm -hmm. where a lot of the best teams are going to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Well, and, they're preparing for the playoffs. I mean, you're, you're at this point, again – and, and that, and I guess this is probably probably should have been been brought up like 20 minutes ago when we were talking about the Jazz and the Suns. But that is the other thing that I kind of took away from last night. I really felt like you know the Suns were, I mean, obviously trying to beat the Jazz. I mean, let's not let's not you know sugarcoat anything. They were trying to win the game, but I did feel like they were resting book for a little a bit longer than stretch. usual. Yeah. Like you were. You were playing the bench guys a little bit more than usual. Like, you know, they were doing some things that normally they wouldn't do. And I think they miss Cameron Payne. I mean, they oh, they miss sure. they yeah. miss a, a legitimate ball handler off the bench. Um, because that's the other thing, and we're seeing this with Donovan Mitchell as well, that when you when you're Devin Booker and you gotta bring the ball up, the it, it is it's taxing. Yeah. There's no doubt. And that's why managing Mike Conley right now is really important. And I, I thought that the national broadcast made a really good point about this. Chris Paul was hurt in the playoffs last year. Maybe this injury came at the right time because you're looking at six to eight weeks. He'll be back two weeks before the playoffs start at that point. NBA season is so long. Yeah, and you're looking at a guy in Chris Paul who's 87 years old, but his legs are going to be fresh. His game does not require him to, you know, shoot a ton of shots to get back in a rhythm. Mm -hmm. He plays in the mid-range. And you you look at the way that Chris Paul has has gone out on the season in the last five, six, seven years when he left his groin on the floor in Houston or last year when he's playing with two broken hands. 
that's not going to be the case this year. Yeah. So I wonder maybe if there if there's a silver lining in the Chris Paul injury. I don't I don't know. We'll see. But that's what the Jazz are lacking. They're lacking that impact veteran who can. I mean, Chris Paul has turned Devin Booker into the best mid range player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker is the best mid range player in the NBA right now. And I think to your point, my R and we the Chicago Bulls. As many injuries as the Bulls have had, you're looking at a guy in Demar Derozan who's played in some really big minutes in this league. Yeah, man. Who, who's come in and raised the game of everybody else around him. Yeah, I think it's. I think you can make a case both ways for who's the best mid-range player in the game. I think Demar. Oh, has... I. Th- I think. I think. I love Demar. Don't get me wrong. Listen, I. I am. I'm loving the renaissance of my Chicago Bulls, but the one thing that Devin Booker does better than anybody else is that he shoots the three well, so people have to respect that. And he, what I love about Chris Paul's impact on Dev, Mm -hmm. Devin Booker is, Devin Booker now knows the five spots on the floor that are automatic. It doesn't matter if a guy, like we were talking about this yesterday, and I don't remember who it was. Somebody had a hand like right in his face. It doesn't matter. The ball's going in the hole. Yeah. He's got five legitimate spots on the floor. Now, DeMar, he needs to stick his ass into you at the at the the elbow, and he's going to play free, free throw line extended. He's going to back you down and hit a turnaround. And, is this the dagger? And he's, he, he loves to play right around the free throw line. Devin Booker shows you repeatedly he can drop you down on the baseline. The other thing I wish DeMar DeRozan had a little bit more of, and I think Zach has it for the Bulls, is the ability to drive the baseline. I think one of the things in this league that is emerging is the the importance of getting the basketball down on the baseline. Yeah. Because you're able to kick that into the paint. You're able to kick that to the corner. Or look at the pass that that Donovan Mitchell made yesterday. Yeah, both teams were making it. Yeah. yeah. It clearly was a focal point. I mean, it, that that is emerging because it's what the Suns have done. And so now, who's the first team that we saw really initiate that? Well, Clay Thompson came back, and what's Clay doing now? Driving the baseline. Because yeah. where does Clay Thompson play? In the corner. So it's that really important skill that DeMar DeRozan, to me, needs to be a little bit better at. I'd love to see DeMar setting up other guys because Devin Booker is elite at, at getting to the paint and either dropping that mid-range or kicking that ball to the corner. Yeah, And that that's why I put him like a bit ahead of everybody else because he doesn't necessarily use the mid-range to score all the time. Mm-hmm. And and it's one of those, I know that everybody thinks, well, the mid-range game means he scores in the mid-range. But I'm telling you, it means you're multifaceted. When you are Chris Paul or you are Devin Booker, DeMar DeRozan to a certain extent, I think we're seeing Donovan Mitchell do this now, where you get in the paint and you kick that ball out. Mm-hmm. Like that that three that, I think it was he kicked, got in the paint, kicked to Bogdanovich. Yeah, and bo- Bogey hit the three. That's the essence of what Donovan Mitchell is evolving to. Is I'm getting in the paint not to try and dunk on guys. I'm getting in the paint to set up my teammates, and that's why they've won eight of nine. That's why this team is is becoming a better defensive team because their offensive looks are better. Yeah, they're making shots now. Yeah, so that helps you defensively. But anyway, here near there, I could go on and on about it. All I'm saying is I, I look at where this league is right now and I look at I look at the time and the and the date on the on the calendar. There's gonna be a lull here. And I think that's why you're gonna see some of the bottom bottom teams, mid table teams in the in the West specifically, 
are going to come up. Now in the East, they're so closely, you yeah. know, stacked. Yeah. That you're you're. I think you're going to have change all season long. But I think when you look out west and you and you look at the Western Conference standings and you see that you know Dallas, Denver, and and teams like the Jazz have the talent to get really hot. And you hear about Michael Porter Jr. now targeting April 1st as a return date. Um, you know that they're going to get Jamal Murray back here probably in the next 10 days. Hey, by the way, Denver's about to get much better. Mm-hmm. And and my questions about Dallas remain. I just don't see Luka Doncic as a guy that can carry a team to a championship. Agreed. And with all due respect to, to the prowess of Rudy as a defender, there's not a two-guard in the league that be, should be shut down one-on-one with a, with a center. Facts. There's just not. And Luca and that thumpa of his, you know, he's just not a quick athletic player. Is Come on, it? let's go, Schlepprock. Yeah, as hot as his mom is, Luca's not like an athletic player. Mm-hmm. None of that has anything to do with what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby. Anyway, the point is, Luca's got to be better. I just don't view him as a championship caliber player. I, I and I don't want to misconstrue this talk on the Jazz as, hey, they're going to win a ring. No, they're not. Enjoy this. They've won eight of nine. They're playing really well. They just beat two of the teams that they had to beat that are right around them. Yeah. Right? Memphis lost a game the other night on Friday, I think it was. The Jazz beat Dallas. <clears throat> You're within three of Memphis. Yeah. Right? Like 19 and five is possible. So we'll see. All right. Let's get some of your comments in here. Good morning, uh, Forrest G. His first one in. Forrest. Daddy Gobert showing us who's boss in Dallas. Daddy. Da- hey, Daddy. Wow. Daddy. No. Uh, I won't. No. George Mitchell says hello from Georgia. Georgia. Like Atlanta, Georgia, Georgia, or like Georgia in the Balkans. Uh, <laughs> the Blind Swordsman DS. Is Georgia in the Balkans? I don't know. The Blind Swordsman DS. Good morning to you. Morning, boys. Great win for the Jazz. I'm going to hold my breath, but this could bring momentum from here out. Sure. Uh, Greg Hawkins says, what's up, Monty? Jake and chat. New movie uh, taping starts tomorrow, so I may be away from the show for a week. Um <coughs> Guy. I haven't coughed in a week. (coughs) 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 Can't wait for the show today, and welcome back to Salt Lake. Thanks, Greg. Congratulations on your new movie Uh, role. George Mitchell says uh, Mitchell was phenomenal. He was. Uh, Darrell King says 20 and 4. You're not just going to lose four the rest of the way. I think that's impossible. Rudy Sanchez says, morning, fellas. Welcome back to Utah. Utah. Forrest G says, what's up? What was Phoenix thinking? I'm confused why they did not call a timeout. Agreed. Agreed. I'm confused why uh, Jay's pass was so terrible. And then like it, the fifth row. It went into the stands. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important that we have another perimeter defender when Royce comes out of the game. I think we're better having Royce and House. Yeah, I think they play together. I would agree with that. But by the way, for all the people who say, oh, Quinn Snyder sucks. He doesn't make adjustments. What adjustments do he make? I don't get it. There you go. Um... Why Quinn gave more minutes to Forrest than Butler? Well, Butler's out with an ankle injury right now, by the way. Uh, Butler is a better defender than Trent, and I don't think Jared can make passes and layup finishes. Well, I think Trent Forrest gives you a uh, in limited exposure, gives you an athletic dimension that you just don't have anywhere else. Yeah. Um, and I say this about Daniel House as well. Daniel House is great in a in a small window. When you play him 30 minutes a game, the greatness goes away exponentially more. Needs to come off the bench 10 yeah. minutes at a time. 
Get that pop. That's it. That's what I'm saying. Butler is too delicate, and we need wins, Forrest G says. Hopefully we can develop him into future games. This team doesn't develop young guys, man. Like, I wish they did. But I worry about Jared Butler. I have a lot of concern for him. This has been – it's probably strong to say this is a lost season for Jared Butler. It is shocking that we're in March, and he – they're just not playing him. He just doesn't get time. Yeah. He doesn't. J.P. Shanahan, good morning to you. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, it was a great win, don't get me wrong, but they were playing without Chris Paul, if we're going to be fair. it. I understand why people are saying that. It, uh, several people said that. I understand why people are saying that. This is the Phoenix Suns team that was put in front of you. And then you almost lost the game. Yeah, the Jazz should not be punished for, you know, just as we said last year, the Clippers shouldn't be punished because, you know, Mike and Don were hurt. I mean, the Jazz shouldn't be punished for yes. Chris Paul being hurt. Yeah. Av Lee says, hey, guys, great show as usual. Thanks. Giggity, where'd you go? Uh, Av Lee says, the last two games are worrying me very much. And both we saw lots of hero game out of Mitchell, Clarkson, and Bogey. I don't know what – I don't know how you fix Jordan Clarkson. It's hot and it's cold. It's the best of times and it's Dude, the worst of times, bro. That air ball three yesterday was – Ugly. But what then – like. He popped off. What do you have? 25, 23, 20, something, something like that. Yeah. So, I, I, but I just don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I want to understand what, what his, how can he, he, dude, you, he cannot dribble into the paint without turning it over. Yeah. It's weird. He's got like Gobert-itis when he dribbles the ball into the paint. Gobert-itis. What? It's a real thing. <laughs> Um, I, and it's so frustrating and he, you know, he gives you, what do you have? 22, 10 of 17, two of seven from three did not shoot a free throw. Five rebounds, three times, two steals. Yeah, man. You know, like, but the bigger problem for me in this, in, in yesterday's game with the Suns is Boyan Bogdanovich is just not in it. He's like, not a thing. Like he's not great. He's not terrible. He just ain't. He just he doesn't get opportunities. That's the problem. He gets like four games. One of five from three. O of one at the free throw line. Five of thirteen. Yeah, maybe he got more opportunities than I thought. But how does he only have two rebounds? How does Buckets O'Neal? Buckets O'Neal. How does know? how does Royce O'Neal have zero rebounds yesterday? Not one. Not two. Zero. He had none. Like these, when you're when you're looking for the negative, which I'm not, but you know, it just kind of crept up and stuff. This case is empty. There are some real things in that zero. game. It's like zero rebounds for him. Um, James Knight says, "Wait, I'm hearing encouragement for the Jazz. Wow. Oh wait, here it comes. No. As usual, James' contribution is always, you know." limited uh avley says donovan tries to make all these flashy passes that look good but not really trying to find his teammates gobert needs to beg for the ball so many times under the basket but again i'm just asking you when have you seen where you throw him the ball in the post rudy gobert yesterday's a great example he cannot dribble the basketball to a positive outcome you just can't they swipe at it. It gets turned over. You know, he misses the easy layup because he's flustered off the drip. Like, you don't want to toss him the ball in the post. Yeah, it's not a good choice. What you'd like to do is throw him lobs, which they did. What you'd like to do is, you know, throw him that high heat 
at the rim that he'll catch and go back up and dunk it. Mm -hmm. That's about the limit of his game. Yeah. You cannot ask him to dribble into the paint because he will turn it over. It, it, I mean, go back and watch the tape. It ain't good. Uh, Hawkins says the Jazz do well when Hassan does well. It really shows. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, he's a different – I mean, he has big impact both ways. I mean, when he's having one of those nights where he doesn't seem engaged, you know, it's a pretty negative outcome, right? I mean, he's a, he's a negative player by, you know, traditional plus-minus stats. But but when, he's, when he does what he did yesterday – he can make a big it's impact. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he definitely is one to watch. What did you guys change? The set looks a little different. Other than we forgot. Oh, I know what we changed. Yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. There is a PS5 we're giving away. Make sure you hit subscribe. Wait, lower that. Lower. Um, low, lowering. Lower. Okay, lower. Lowering. Lower. Okay, lower. There it is. Okay, right, right there. There we go. Yep. PS5 okay. we're giving away. Make sure you hit subscribe. If you are here, give us a thumbs up, please. It really helps the channel grow. When we get to 5,000 subs, we will give away that PS5. I can't say subs normally. It just is what it is, so shut up. Um, when we get to 5,000, we'll uh, we'll give that uh, bad Buy mamma jamma shirt. away. Um, indeed. Yes, please do. Buy a damn shirt. Uh, you're a casual. Um, $25, DM Jake. Um, and DM Jake. SLC Supercars on Twitter. What? Wait, you don't you don't want the DMs from the people? I don't. We need to streamline it. DM Jake SLC Supercars. Yeah. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, Derek Gray says you guys are schmucks. Cool. House was in his head, but if Donnie doesn't score fourteen um, in the playoffs, you would call it a bust. House was in whose head? Yeah, whose head was Daniel? Who are House you in? referring to Devin Booker? Because he wasn't in Devin Booker's head. Yeah, Devin, Devin Booker, Booker was in his head. Dan De Devin Booker had like four threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, dude. Like, I don't know what you're looking at. By the way, how many possessions in a row did Devin Booker get a foul called on on House because House was trying to pressure him? Multiple. Like, it's not it, like I don't. Yeah, cool. You can be the guy who calls us schmucks, but what's going to happen in a week is you're going to realize that we're right as usual. So, you know, we've seen this story before. Uh, you know, when when's the last time we got the do you guys even watch jazz games guy coming into the comments? Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, hey, good morning, Jensen, everyone. Everyone. Good morning, mm -hmm. JB. Uh, Brandon Whiteside says Booker flopping and crying on Here every play. Go. Yeah, there you go. Here we go. Uh, Giggity says it was the Suns third game in four days. They weren't they were definitely resting some guys a little bit more. And I, I think that's why. You just can't worry about what Suns team is in front of you. They beat the Phoenix Suns. That's yeah. one of the best teams in the NBA. Yeah. And they did it being led by by Donovan Mitchell. And they did it with him really being a, a – you can see he is asserting himself. He is standing up coaching when he's out of the game. He is huddling guys on the floor like you can see. And maybe all that's for show. I don't know. You can see Donovan Mitchell asserting his, his yeah. position. Yeah. And this is what we've been talking about. And again, you can tell me, you don't have sources. They don't know shit. <laughs> okay, well, what did we tell you? Yeah, next question. This is Don's team. It is. It is Donovan Mitchell's team. Everybody has told you that. And the the locker room stress seems to have dissipated quite a bit from what I understand. Because I think they've just come to a point where, what do we have to lose? What do we have to lose? This team understands that they are good enough to beat anybody on any given night. I think they also are pretty realistic about the fact that they're not, like in a seven-game series, they're probably not beating the Suns team. 
in a seven-game series, they're probably not beating Memphis or Golden State. But that doesn't mean what they should just not play the series then. Like, I mean, this is a this is a good, not great basketball team. As we've been saying for years. I view the Suns as without Chris Paul, they're the same team as the Jazz. They're good, they're not great. They have a superstar player in 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 Don. They have a superstar player in Devin. But without the difference maker here, Chris Paul, 100%. I think the center position for the, the these two teams, I think offensively, it's very clearly DeAndre Ayton. I mean, just absolutely dominating with the free throw line jumper yesterday. But can't defend your mom. Like, and this is what I've said in, in Giggity or who all, all our Phoenix guys, I think you've probably heard me say this, that DeAndre Ayton is not good defensively. Yeah. He just isn't. He, he is not a willing participant in man-to-man defense. Like, you watch the way he defended Rudy Gobert, which is why I'm surprised that Rudy didn't have a 20-20 game. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he just wasn't attached to Rudy, and he was letting Rudy run behind him, which is Lob City. And now, granted, DeAndre did deflect the one lob, but I just think that these two teams are really equal without Chris Paul. Chris mm-hmm. Paul, Chris Paul's better than Mike Conley. I don't think anybody can argue to the contrary, but this Jazz team is capable of beating anybody. Yeah. You're just not going to do that in a seven-game series where athletes are going to make plays. So it is what it is. Uh, Brandon Whiteset says, Suns homers hope they lose in the first round. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Uh I don't like, get that. Whiteside steal and dunk from the throat of McGee last night was filthy sexy. I agree wow. for us. Like, wow. But you I, see I, why wow. JaVale has value to that team. Did, like, that's the – I will also point at JaVale McGee as the kind of role player this Jazz team doesn't have. Yeah, it was fun to watch Whiteside and, and JaVale go back and forth. That was, yeah. that was definitely fun. I, I think you're looking <laughs> at – man, if you can just make – make changes in the offseason. This Jazz team is – they just lack so many little things. Well, in athleticism, which is a big thing, but it is what it is. Yeah. Tyler Hopkins, what's up? He says, the thing I saw was that Devin Booker can't carry the Suns all by himself if he's still a very good player who can score. Exactly right. He's not – he's not – and this is what we always say about Book. He's not your guy Kevin Durant. He's not LeBron James. He's in that cut below. I And this is the question about Steph Curry. Can Steph Curry on his own win you a championship? He hasn't yet. Yeah. And he probably can't. Yeah. I mean, I think he was three of ten last night in their loss to Dallas. Yeah. Like, but you put you put Dre on that team, you put Clay on that team, you put Wiggins. Wiggins, you put Peyton, Ig- you put Iguodal off the bench. Iguodal uh off the bench. <laughs> Listen, Max Kellerman, chill out. Okay? <laughs> My point is teams are only as good as their collective. Nobody in this league. Why do you think we saw super teams and now tandems? Why do you think James Harden wanted to get with Joel? Why do you think that, you know, Harden, um, KD, and Kyrie wanted to play together? He's big boned. Why do you think they wanted to play together? Because you're a collective. You are only as good as your collective in this league. Right. The Jazz have one guy. They don't have a duo. They don't have a collective. But Rudy. One guy. Don't start. Don't. Cam Harrison says, good morning, guys. Great win by the Jazz. Shout out to Mo Bamba. Shout out to Mo Bamba. I'm not really sure what that has to do with anything. It's but... his favorite drop. Why do you hesitate on that drop now? Shout out to Mo Bamba. It's, it's Mo Bamba. Mo Bamba. 
Shout out to Mobamba. Nathan Jennings vlog says, I think Don just watches your guys' show and is now listening to you. I'm sure. I'm I certain that's what I, it is. I'm guessing Is there any doubt? Is, yeah. Wait. I, I thought we all knew that. Shout out to Mobamba. <laughs> Hello. Duh. Um, Jesus Christ destroys big text. Marxism, Marxism loses. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, the, okay. Marxism says, uh, not true. No, I, I should call you Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. No, I don't know. J JC, the big destroyer says, uh, not true. If you talk, uh, stay, if Utah stays fully healthy keyword and they stay locked in on defense and urgency, they never have, uh, they are more than capable of being Phoenix or anybody else. They are not. I look, I would love to agree with that. The, the Utah jazz are not beating. And this is just my opinion. I'm just some lame ass who, yeah, yeah, you know, you, no, yeah. no, I'm sorry. I'm a casual, right? You're right? A casual. I'm a casual. casual, but my feeling is, is that the jazz are a really good team. Yeah. They're not better than Phoenix. They're not better than golden state. They're not better than Brooklyn. They're not better than Milwaukee and they're not better than Philly in a seven game series. Mm -hmm. I think those five teams for sure. Memphis, M Memphis is an interesting one. Memphis is just so damn athletic. Did anybody see Memphis that Friday night when they beat the Bulls, did anybody see the John Morant finish? Who on the Jazz can do that? Where he drives in the lane and spins in a 360 and lays it up. Yep. It's the John Wall move. I'm telling you, yeah, the Jazz are a good, not a great team. Yeah. I think they're better than Dallas. I think they're better than the bottom tier teams in the West. Right now, they're better than the Clippers, Lakers, Kings. Injuries. Injuries are killing those teams, man. But they're not better than Memphis, in yeah. my opinion. They're not better than Golden State. They're not better than Phoenix. They're not better than Brooklyn. They're not better than Philly. They're, they're not, not better, better than, than Milwaukee. Luca's mom is still the hottest. Like Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and thorough. Austin Lewis says, Rudy isn't actually a bad passer off the pick and roll. Just don't let him dribble. Exactly. Yeah. I, I actually think Rudy is an underrated passer because he he is so flipping tall he can see around he can see on top the issue is that's not the jazz game pick he sets a pick he doesn't get the ball in the pick and roll right he doesn't what you see is that little handoff that he and Conley do and then he immediately hands it to Don that's that design at the top of the key there yeah <clears throat> especially at the free throw line Rudy gets into no man's land between the rings in the paint. That's his no man's land. He cannot dribble there. He really can't operate there. Rudy needs to be really in the in the protected area to, to dominate. It's when Rudy Gobert gets the ball at the top of the key and you see the Suns like backing away from him because he doesn't he hasn't shown that he can hit a jumper consistently. I think we all know he has one, mm -hmm. but he doesn't use it. So he's just right now he's just awkward. You know, like he doesn't have refined skill. Watching DeAndre Ayton hit those jump shots yesterday. Again and again and again. It's just so, it screams for what they need for. They just need that that push shot like that JaVale and DeAndre Ayton have. Like in the in the paint where you just, it's a little push jumper. If Rudy had that, this team would, would win 60 games. I mean, if he was that kind of offensive performer, he's not. If he was, this is a completely different conversation. You know. The $41 million goes away. That's not a problem. Because he's giving you 30, 35 points a game. Yeah. For a guy, think about it. He's arguably the best offensive rebounder in the NBA, Rudy Gobert.
right? If he's giving you 10 offensive rebounds a game, right? Or if you can now throw him the ball, pick, roll, dish to him, hits a little jumper, I mean, he's scoring 30, 35 points a game. That's every day. He's an annual MVP candidate. I, and I'm not exaggerating. If he had just the ability to have a push shot or a little jumper, he's a completely different player. Agreed. This is a completely different team. But he doesn't, so they're not. I mean, if, if, if just being honest about it. Ashok Basak. I'm sorry. Um, I'm going to have to ban you now. What the fuck are you? Stupid. Uh, JC destroys. Yeah. I don't know what to call him now. Jesus, the tech destroyer says nothing guaranteed in a series though. Seriously. Watch and see. Yeah, I would agree. I, will you uh, listen, what did Herm Edwards say? You play to win the game. I want you to listen to me. You got to play the games, man. Yeah, dude. For sure. Nathan Jen Johnson vlog says Rudy plays old school, big man role. Truth. Uh, chill in the paint, stick your hands up, catch and dunk. Rudy isn't a bad player, but today's game is too athletic for that kind of play in the playoffs. Y'all feel me? And what did we see? What did we see yesterday? We saw pick and roll to pull Rudy away from the basket. Yep. And then what happens? You get that baseline cut, the dish to, to Bridges for the layup in the and one. Because Rudy's not in the protected area. He's up at the free throw line defending Aiton. Yep. So it just creates. Because Aiton was hitting the shot. And the, no, and you know the other guy I thought yesterday that made you look fantastic, your, your guy, Cam Johnson. Mm -hmm. That but he can shoot. And again, but what's he do? Not yeah. to. He shoots threes from the corner. And then when he doesn't shoot the three, he drives down the the baseline. Baseline. And he's turned into a nice he little basically passer. Basically, just runs corner to corner. That's and it. When the set dictates it, he'll shoot off the wing. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Bolton says, shout out to Caruso cheering from the bench. Stop disrespecting me, bro. Jeremy Bolton. Stay on brand, my guy. I love you, man. New Orleans surprised Phoenix by 15 points three nights ago. That was sweet. Well, and then they went to L.A. and beat the Lakers. Rudy actually has hit a few mid-range jumpers in some games. I've seen it. Yeah, like once a year. And then the three-pointer he takes is an air ball. It's not his game. Okay. All right. been an hour okay does anybody care about the mlb strike okay cool let's talk about phil mickelson losing <laughs> what i covered baseball jake's like can we hey man hey hey man um can we talk some baseball we're on to cincinnati um you know like um you know um can we like baseball you know like hey we're focused on the jets today rawhide big long wood big you know, long like, wood you know like can we talk baseball i've never taken steroids no, we can't. Um, <laughs> wow. I love, I'm a passionate baseball fan. Mm -hmm. This labor stoppage is just complete BS. Labor stoppage. Like, screw you, Rob Manfred. Screw you, yeah. sir. Yeah. And yeah. then there's Phil Mickelson. Mm -hmm. This has gone horribly sideways. Last we left you on Thursday, KPMG dumped his ass. Yeah. So let me tell you the story real quick. Phil Mickelson's a prick. Um, who is a Phil Mickelson gambles a lot. Um, he sold his golf stream private jet several months ago and people were like, Hmm, Phil, bad day on the ponies. Um, bad day on the ponies. And then all of a sudden <laughs> Phil Mickelson lines up with the Saudis who are trying to, 
who are trying to set up the Saudi Super Golf League. Yeah. And Phil then decides to give an interview to Golf Magazine or whoever the flip it was with. And he's like, hey, yeah, I know they cut people's heads off, but I gamble a lot and the PGA Tour screws me out of money. Okay. So that's how it's going to be. So KPMG, uh, Callaway Golf, Workday, um, you know, like Amstel, they're all like, hey, see you later, dude. Keep it real. <laughs> no, Amstel and his sponsors kept it realer. Um, they were like, nah, dude, we're out. And then American Express was like, mm, we don't know that Phil should host the Palm Springs tournament that is branded the, the American Express. So the PGA was like, oh, yeah, hey, Phil. Screw you, you're not going to host the, the Palm Springs event. And remember your charitable foundation that was the benefactor for the American Express tournament in Palm right, Springs? Right. Yeah, suck it. We're giving our money to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Phil Mickelson has crashed and burned. Oh, man, dude. Now, of course, Twitter, because we all know that Twitter's amazing. Right. Ah, right. this is cancel culture. Four more years to stop the steal. <laughs> And people are like, oh, they're canceling Phil Mickelson. I don't give a vapor's fuck. <laughs> and I would just tell you that, well, they cut people's heads off in Saudi Arabia. That's why they canceled Phil Mickelson. Twitter's been going crazy. You know, not because he's, you know, a good golfer. No, he is a good golfer, but he's also an asshole. Yeah. Who supports terrorism so that he can personally profit. Like, this is not cancel culture, bro. That's not this what this is. This is you're a douche, bro. That's what Man. it is. That's what it is. Greg Hawkins says, honestly, it's pretty surprising he lost so many sponsors in such a quick succession like that. I haven't, seen, yeah, I haven't seen a sponsor exodus like this since Tiger's first scandal. I think it's even worse. Well, Tiger was pound in box with porn stars. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't always porn stars. It was waitresses at Perkins in his SUV out by the dumpster. To what do I owe this player? Tiger Woods <laughs> parked his SUV behind the Perkins restaurant, uh, behind the dumpster. And you want to talk about a closer? Tiger Woods was like, hey, baby, I got a tip for you. And she's like, oh, thanks. He's like, yeah, I haven't given it to you yet. Let's go out back. And she's like, okay, cool. They went in his SUV out back, had sex behind a dumpster at Perkins, and Nike's like, yeah, we need to reevaluate our relationships. My fucking ass. <laughs> but I just want to say, how much of a pimp is Tiger Woods Dude. that he closed a Perkins waitress? She put the coffee cup down, and he's like, hey, baby. And she was like, oh, oh it's Tiger Woods. He loves me. You have a deal. <laughs> Amazing. Anyway, I don't condone. Tiger, dude, golf has some of the biggest degenerates in sports. No, but what golf has is, like, look at Dustin Johnson pulling Paulina Gretzky. Yeah, but. Do you understand? Dude. What's that drop on TikTok? I get so much top-tier poon because I've set my life up. Like, if you're Tiger Woods, Man. you could have any woman in the world. Cocaine and hookers, my friend. Granted, you were married and you were cheating on your wife, too, dirtbag. But uh, you can have any woman in the world. Right. And you choose to cheat on your wife with porn stars. I don't know why we're rehashing Tiger Woods. But anyway, do you know what I will with your wife? Yeah. Do you realize he found out his dad passed away while he was in bed with a hooker? Like, where did my life go? I started having second thoughts. Anyway. <laughs> Giggity says, maybe my pillow will sponsor <laughs> Phil. My pillow. Mike Lindell. You have a deal. 
This is what happens when multimillionaire athletes complain about their horrible working conditions. <laughs> That's exactly. Fat Jesus is is a great point. Well, um, Phil, what's so wrong? I mean, you have a Gulfstream jet, and I missed the over on the Bears game. I need to sell. <laughs> Like if you're Phil Mickelson, and it's alleged that Phil Mickelson sold his Gulfstream private jet mm -hmm. because he had gambling debts. You think he spent too much time at Arlington Park, Jake? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I hate you so much. The Bears are amazing. <laughs> anyway, my point is, yeah. how far do you have to fall if you're Phil far, Mickelson? Really right far, now? dude. Really far. I don't know. I. Nah, fine. Does he ever? Yeah, he will. He will. I mean, do you show up at the Masters if you're Phil Mickelson? Do you show up and play at Augusta? I mean, they hate black people there, so like wow. they're they're good at scandal. Wow. And women, you know. Wow. Remember Fuzzy Zeller being like when Tiger Woods won the Masters? You want to talk about racism? Here's racism in golf. Fuzzy Zeller, the old golfer. Mm -hmm. Tiger Woods, who's black. Tiger Woods wins the the Masters, and the winner of the Masters gets to determine the dinner for the next year, like what's on the menu. Fuzzy Zeller said something to the effect of, oh, I guess we're having fried chicken and watermelon next year. Keep it real. Wow, <laughs> like, bro. fucking A, man. Like, dude. Like, that's how racist the Masters is. Yeah. Like, the culture. It, well, where is it? With well, all due respect. It's in Augusta, Georgia. But do you remember? Respect. Do you remember, like, all the women protesting? Yes. And, you can't join. You're a woman. Yes. Like, dude. Yes. So the racism and the misogyny around the Masters. Yeah, <laughs> they would welcome Phil Mickelson with open arms. Yeah, hey, and I would love somebody to walk up to Phil and be like, "Hey, Phil, good to see you, buddy. By the way, did you know the Saudis cut people's heads off?" Okay, fuck you. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you? Okay, if you're a golf, if you're a professional golfer, yeah, and let's say you're like Brooks Kepka, right? What's the Kepka Mickelson conversation like? Oh, Phil, really? Kind of not so good to see you, man. It's been not long enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you, you know? Do you know what that's like these days? Hey, do you get free gas from the Saudis? Yeah. Probably. By but the not way, for his Airstream. $5.59 a gallon Dude. in California. Dude. I'm just saying. Uh, Jesus Christ destroys big tech Marxism loses. Says, <laughs> are giving new, uh, golf uh, golfers are giving new meaning to a hole in one. Hell! <laughs> hell! Hell! <laughs> Dude. Anyway. Wow. Fat Jesus says Phil is going to the Masters as a member of the gallery, and it's going to sell his autograph to fans. Probably. 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 I mean. Damn, he won't play the Masters? I don't know, Willie, or Willie Ooh. not. Like, I mean, well, it's the, I, it's it's not, the it's Masters. It's up to him. It is up to him. He has a lifetime exemption to the Masters. He can play every year until he's dead. Dude. Or the Saudis cut his head off. Any year he wants. Yeah. And Jamal can hang out. That's probably too far. Anyway, the he can play any year he wants. He's going to play golf again. He needs sure. the money. Yeah, he's he's going to play again. Right? It's just yeah. a matter of, you know. Exhibit A is to why you don't gamble. Hey, Phil, <laughs> you have it all. Uh, I lost on the horses. The 12th race, I bet a million. Final. Like, did you? Did he lose his golf stream jet at the, at the craps table? Uh, I mean, like, that's the sad narrative around Phil Mickelson. So. You've thrown our budget a little out of whack. Well, speaking of Trump, then there's the Russians. How about the crazy Donald Trump Russia story that came Nazis. out? So you know that that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin had a couple of meetings that were not recorded, mm -hmm. and there are no transcripts. Mm -hmm. Well, some of the 
And I'm going to leave it at alleged. With all this Ukraine terrorist bullshit going on. Right. Some of the revelations about Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump's meetings are remarkable. So you know that Donald Trump was obsessed with getting a Nobel Peace Prize. Mm -hmm. He nominated himself and others nominated him multiple times. So him and Vladimir Putin have this summit and allegedly hatched a plan where the Russians would invade Ukraine. Donald Trump as president of the United States would intercede, broker peace. Putin would pull out of Ukraine. Trump would win the Nobel Peace Prize and then Putin would go right back in and take Ukraine. Like that's, are you serious? Like, but it didn't really work out because Donnie didn't win again. Yeah. Uh, you know, Uncle Joe Biden, go Brandon, um, kind of slid into his DMs and won the election. Right. But that's what we're talking about. And then like Vladimir Putin goes into Ukraine and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and Donald Trump are out defending him. Vladimir Putin. Yeah. While the rest of the civilized world is crushing Vladimir Putin. What do you make of the whole Russia to Ukraine I thing? I just think it's, it is, I think it depends on what side of the conversation you're looking at. I mean, I think from a world, like ending the world with nukes, it's not great. You know, I mean, you've got, you've got two world superpowers at play here. You've got, you've got a, a, a you know, a, a situation, you know, if like if you're Joe Biden you're and you're the U.S. Like uh, it's let's a, go Brandon, please. Yeah, it's a really, uh, you know, for lack of a better um, word, a sticky situation. How involved do you get? Do you go and show military force? Well, no, you don't. But it, but there, but I disagree with the people who are saying this isn't our problem. The problem, the oh, thing it's is, a huge problem. It's very much our problem because it's Russia. So what do you, what do you do? How do you handle it? I, I think from that side of the conversation, it's a very fluid situation as they say now if you're you know if you're looking at it from the ukraines are kicking the shit out of the russians i love it i love the fact that the ukrainians are putting up a huge fight how about and, the ukrainian people yeah not even the military the people of ukraine are so unified against vladdy and the russians that there is videotape of them in almost every neighborhood women in these ukrainian cities have made thousands of Molotov cocktails. Yeah. They've united and they've collected the container and the one what like in the way it was described on on MSNBC yesterday was one house is collecting glass bottles, the other house is tearing cotton towels, the other house is getting gasoline. And they're coming together uniting as a country. Who knew that countries still did that? Their citizens are uniting against their common clear enemy i it's this, amazing listen there's nothing good that's going to come out of russia going to ukraine nothing nothing but man is it not inspiring to see what those people are doing the united states offered the ukrainian president evacuation and he said i don't need a ride bro i need bullets like, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He's not going anywhere. And he has got the big Russian bear on top of him right now. And they are fighting tooth and nail. Do you, you see these stories where farmers are, you know, trying to derail 
tanks by cutting huge holes in the roads. You see these stories where the Russian military is trying to drop pontoon bridges over a river so that they can outflank the Ukrainians into a city. And the citizens are doing everything they can do to destroy that pontoon bridge and destroy their process. Like, it is so inspiring to me. And I don't know that we'll ever see this as Americans. Well, I think I think the unique advantage living in the U.S. is you've got two oceans on each side. You know, well, sure, yeah, and you don't have a, a border enemy, right? Yeah. But I don't think we'll ever see a time where we have foreign troops attacking our cities. Mm-hmm. But here's my question: If that happened, would we come together? I think we would. Or would we have "Don't Tread on Me" flags and? Joe Biden bumper stickers on opposite sides. Well, it's funny what happens when your livelihood is at risk, when your life is literally at risk. I just think it's incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly important that Russia lose in Ukraine. And I am not for in any way, shape or form putting U.S. men and women on the ground in Ukraine. I'm just not. But when you hear that the European Union is rapidly processing membership for Ukraine so that all European countries can then help. When you hear that NATO is rapidly, uh, you know, expressing membership for Ukraine so that NATO forces and, and, and NATO assets can de- be deployed to Ukraine. Uh, it, it's incredible. Yeah. But you better understand what's on the line. And we don't talk a lot of politics. I know we have a lot of new listeners on this show today and we love every one of you. And this is generally a sports show. But you better understand what's on on the line in Ukraine. It is the avenue to success for both Russia and China. You better understand that the Russians want to put back the old Soviet Union. You better understand that China and Russia are in bed together on this. You better understand that if they lose Ukraine, what's he going to take next? And yeah, it's cool that we've seen his forces being like it. It's disgusting to me to turn on the news this morning and see drone footage of Russian soldiers being blown up by Ukrainian drones and people celebrating that across the world. Yeah, those are human beings that are dying on the ground. Oh, well, they're fighting for the wrong side. Yeah, I, and I look, I totally get that. I understand that the Russians are our enemy, but when you look at what's going on there. Humanity is going to win. And, and I feel like this is a Batman skit or a script we're writing. Look at the people in Russia going to 6,000 people were arrested yesterday in Moscow. Yeah. 6,000 people arrested at a protest. Were there 6,000 people total arrested in BLM rallies this year in this country? Like, it's incredible to me. They put their lives on the line. Yeah, they knew they were going to get arrested. Protesting against Vladimir Putin who doesn't give a shit about you and will kill you. It's remarkable to me. Yeah, it's crazy. As is how bad Hot Pockets are for you. Yeah, so was flipping around the interwebs today and found this this story titled, titled, The Worst Frozen Foods for Abdominal Fat, According to Dietitians. Well, I don't have abdominal fat, so I don't know anything about this conversation. Right, right, right. So number one on the list, real shocker here is microwavable pockets, otherwise known as hot pockets. By the way, what's your favorite food as a kid? You ever had a hot pocket in your life? 
Not since high school. Yeah. But man, I've had Tostino's pizza rolls or repeatedly by the thousands. So good. <laughs> right. So good, dude. So that's number one. So hot pockets are terrible for you. Yeah. Number one. Number two is frozen pizza. Yeah, I haven't had frozen pizza in years, except yesterday. <clears throat> um, you know. <clears throat> so that's number two. <clears throat> number three is ice cream, for obvious reasons. Number four, frozen noodle soup. Now, this one I was a little intrigued by. So what sodium. the article says, yeah, these are full of sodium, which can increase belly bloat, and noodles contain refined grains, which may increase increase belly fat see now i'm in a unique situation when it comes to soup because my wife who is a vegetarian which pretty much means makes i'm you, a vegetarian yeah obviously uh my wife makes incredible soups. she makes like all kind of vegan vegetarian soups like a, her her tortilla soup is amazing tortilla i would i cannot imagine a time in my life i do believe that my wife would kill me like literally stab me in the chest if mm -hmm. i ever brought home frozen chicken noodle soup and I'll drop that mother. Like I think she she would she would be like, I don't know who you are any honey. I don't know who you are anymore. Who the f is like, that? Guy? I don't know what she would say to me if I brought home a container of frozen chicken noodle soup. I don't know what what would who Mrs. Monty say. Why the hell would you bring that home? Yeah. Why would I? Like you don't even Mrs. Monty on the show, by the way. Uh for all of you who clamored for the last two weeks for her. <laughs> Um, you don't even like buying soup at, at Costco in those containers. Yeah, it's rare. I don't, I, I don't, don't be bringing home no Campbell's soup in a can yeah. or, you know, chunky, but, whatever. But then again, on that list is your favorite food group, ice cream. Mm -hmm. you're, oh. a, you're a huge ice cream fan. It's horrible. It's like, terrible for you. I know that. What else is on that list? Uh, last thing on the list is called smoothie bases. So you can buy the base of a smoothie from the store. Oh, right. And they're saying that these are bad because they don't have real fruits. Um, they have, you know, sugars and gums and flavorings and additives, which add, you know. Oh, Chris Card makes a great point. Uh, Chris Carn says hot pockets are filled with lava that will blister on contact. Yes. Oh my Isn't God. that the worst yes. part? But Burning that's even. Mouth. That's even the problem with like Tostinos, Tostinos pizza roll. We don't say it regularly. Tostinos. Like we'll walk down the frozen aisle at Harmon's and be yelling like Tostinos, baby. <laughs> and we, but Tost, Tost, Totinos or whatever the frip they are. Where's the Italian? Yeah. Hot pockets or pizza rolls, dude. Are so, like the day. sauce on pizza will just eviscerate the roof of your mouth. Evisceration. It will eviscerate the roof of your mouth. What's the worst bad food you like to eat? Mrs. Monty, your number one bad junk food. It's got to be ice cream for you. <sighs> Mine is uh... probably chips. I love chips. I'm not so much a candy guy. Is I, I'm like, I'm a Costco chip guy. Costco apple though. pie. Oh, yeah, oh. pies. I love dessert. Yeah, see, I can just do without that. that like Costco apple pie. But you know what? So we went good. to so we went to Morton's in Anaheim the other night. Mm -hmm. What were you gonna say? Okay, I don't need it. I haven't had it in a couple of years, in fact. But like a blizzard from oh, Dairy Queen. Oh yes, come on. Yes, yes. Terrible. That is just keep diabetes. Yeah, keep frozen. Yeah, cow. Not pro good. Like just not it's good. all wrong. Insulin bearing greatness. Not good. Um. We went to Morton's, the steakhouse right. in Anaheim the other night. And I, I don't know that I'm I don't know that I'm disappointed. What were you, what were you disappointed in? 
what the hell but like the, okay so i am uh, i it is official and i want to make this announcement Thank i want you. everybody to and know i've listen. been okay before you say this <clears throat> i have been lobbying and waiting for this day this for is, probably six months this is a big moment in a young man's life it is and it is you know when you have matriculated into adulthood and you have yes, americans you yeah you've established your life and I'm not prepared for whatever is going to happen right now. Your masculinity and you've shared with your family openly your feelings and who you truly are. I am a bum. But when you when you have told your family intimate thoughts about the fact that you will never eat at any steakhouse that is not a Mastro's Ocean Club. Let's go. It's a big moment in a fat ass's life. And because. You come to realize that not all dessert menus are created equally. Lowry's the prize. I had two amazing pieces of red, bloody, dead animal on my plate in the last two weeks. Cow. I was disappointed at Lowry's the prime rib. And I was disappointed. The the prime rib at Lowry's was amazing. Phenomenal. The appetizer, the the dessert at Lowry's, a joke. Like, a joke. I, I won't eat it. I don't think I'll ever eat at Lowry's a prime rib again. They I'm fo- I'm 49 and I can't see because I'm hoping to live to like 137. I cannot see in the next 90 years that I would eat at Lowry's again. Okay, quick story because we're running out of time. But what what do you remember Lowry's being? I remember Lowry's being a an incredible experience where you are served like a king, where they bring bloody dead animals to your table. Um, where they bring amazing soups and appetizers. Now, the bread at Lowry's was phenomenal. I'm for real. Um, but we got to the dessert round, and I was expecting to have their amazing pie. Mm-hmm. That would be the coconut-crusted banana cream pie. I'm for that real. That used to be, like, super secret. You couldn't get the recipe. I mean, like, it causes blood flow to the lower extremities. Right, right. I mean, it causes throbbing in your varicose What's erection? Right? No, they don't have it on the menu anymore. Wow. Okay, you're out. So I go to Morton's. And, okay, so what were you expecting out of Morton's? I had a pri- I had rented a private room at Morton's. We had all the gold accoutrements. Cutlery. We spent two G's at Morton's. Ten people. I had an amazing, people. amazing experience in mind. The steak was not as good as Mastro's. I get, I'm a New York strip guy, off the bone. Right, yep. It was not as good as Mastro's steak. Now, the wedge salad, amazing. Phenomenal. The I, I am not a, uh, oh my, scallops. I am not a big seafood eater. The scallops were amazing at Morton's. The drinks sucked. I can just outright say they were average at best. And the desserts were just not very good. Like, the the bread pudding was the highlight. But the creme brulee was a little undercooked, frankly. Um, somebody at our table also had the chocolate lava cake. It was not good at all. It was not. And yeah. they say it's their world famous cake. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not good. Yeah. And the bread pudding, I don't know. And maybe I'm being too. I didn't have it. I didn't... The bread pudding was awesome. Yeah. Like the bread pudding. But let me just say, none of it was on the level of the, the dessert. At the total package, dude. The dessert at Mastro's, the cake that is at Mastro's, is incredible. It's incredible. You can't get over it. It, 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 it. It's over. And the total package for two Gs at Morton's was disappointing. It was disappointing. 
It just was what it was. By the way, awkward moment with mama's new boyfriend. Yeah. So Dennis the Menace, as I affectionately call him. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that's the first time you've rolled that out in front of me, and that is incredible. Mrs. Monty is unhappy. I would, I, I would, know. that's probably not an appropriate nickname to be using consistently, but that is funny. It's funny. No. <laughs> Having said that, <laughs> for those of you who haven't watched the show in the past, right? Dennis is my mother-in-law's new fiance. They are getting married already. They texted. In April. Right. Fast forward, we went to LA for two weeks to really kind of vet this guy out and make sure he wasn't a, de uh, a dirtbag swindler. He's probably not. So we had him over to the house for dinner one night. We, we had a good conversation. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to Lowry's or fast forward to Morton's the other night. Mm -hmm. So I told you Thursday, we walked into his house and there was a, there was a bowl of, you know, shell casings, shell casings on the table. Like there was yeah, like of rifle shell casing. Right. Which I found a little offensive to me, but whatever. Um, and so I did a toast at Morton's. Mm-hmm. And it really was not a joking toast. I, I, I said, I just want to, this is the first time in two years our whole family's getting together. Right. I'm glad we're all here. I'm glad we're all healthy. And I think about the people who could not be here or who are not here. And I said to Dennis, hey, man, I'm glad you're here, even though you had a bowl of shell casings on your coffee table. Mm -hmm. But, you know, welcome to our group. And we put his name, like Morton's puts names on the menu for your birthday. It was his birthday. We put his name on the, on the menu. Like, we've gone out of our way to make this guy feel welcome. Right. So 10 minutes later, he stands up and does another toast. And Keep he just, it real. Yeah. Homeboy comes for it. He's like, oh, yeah, dude, you know, Tim grilled me and I've lived 80 years and he lived 40 years and doesn't know a thing about nothing. And it's none of his business about my relationship. He grilled me on my intentions. with, And I'm like, <laughs> okay. So then he sits down and like 30 seconds later spills a Diet Coke all over the table. <laughs> <laughs> The a drop is undefeated. I felt bad for him, but oh, he was clearly God. affected by this because Mrs. Monty surprised me. She rented Dude. a party bus so that we could all get liquored up and get thrown out of the church <clears throat> and all that good stuff. Right. So we get on the party bus. We drive to Morton's. We get on the party bus. We drive home. We get back to the crib and Dennis gets off the bus, gets into his car and drives away. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Apparently he's on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Because the motherfucker didn't even say goodbye. Nope. He didn't shake anybody's nope. hands. Nope. He got we'll off the bus. Got in the Camry. By the way, he's got a Camry TRD. Tells you all you need to know about homie. Yeah, we're really focused on Philadelphia right now. <laughs> Gets in the car. go And literally drives down the street, turns around, comes back, picks up the old lady, and then he gone. We'll see you later. Never saw him again. And it's like, okay, cool, bro. Cool story. I This is just going to be awkward. Now they're getting married in April and I'm going to do it right. I'm going to probably buy, I'm probably going to spend a hundred bucks on a cigar for him. I was looking at it last night. I know the cigar I'm going to get him for a wedding gift and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be happy for him. I'm going to shake his hand, you know, like, Hey, Hey, for better or for worse, my mother-in-law, I love my mother-in-law. She treats me well. She's the only mother I know. Like the lady has been gold for me. Mm -hmm. This guy's a dick. Yeah. Her this guy, the, the problem is he stood up in dinner as if he had been a part of the family for a long fucking time. Yeah. We don't know you that well. We're trying to get to know you. Yeah. But 
at what point do you have a position to stand up and make a statement when you've been here all of two minutes? Yeah. And now, and, and Mrs. Monty I, I is quite happy. is quite regularly not on my side on most things, which is to say, you hold me accountable. Yeah. Was anything that I said or did with Dennis at all inappropriate or rude? You, you probably didn't need to say the you know bucket of bullets on the coffee table, right? <laughs> but it just—he needs to like give it a minute. So you better check he's yourself. He's just yeah. not. He's not. That's not who he is. Dude's 80 years old. He's a veteran. He, he, in my opinion, with all due respect, is kind of a know-it-all. But, you know, that's just not who he is. I wasn't surprised at all that he did that. So Rodney says, it's your job to treat him well. The fact that you offended him, which you clearly did, says that you were in the wrong. I don't think there's anything I did that, that should have offended him. No. There's nothing I did, said or did. Dude, he's get off my lawn guy. Uh, and, and listen, Rodney's not, uh, like, Rodney, you're not 100% off base with that comment. But you got to understand, this is like get off my lawn guy. This is like very takes things personally pretty quickly. And we guy. went to his house on Wednesday night. They, they, We went to their favorite Italian restaurant, Dennis and my mother-in-law. And admittedly, he paid for dinner. I shook his hand. And I said, hey, man, I really appreciate you paying for dinner. Thanks. It yeah. was nice. And it's it was not a, like you've treated him poorly. It was a great Italian dinner. It was, yeah. it was, it was good. Authentic. Yeah. It, it, anyway, did you really bring up the bullets during the toast? <laughs> yes. I jokingly said, I jokingly said, and Dennis, even though you have a bucket of bullets, you know, shell case. Cold-blooded, clean, methodical, and thorough. Because again, Dennis is the kind of guy who would say, it's not bullets, they're shell casings. What do you know? And so I said, you have a, you know, you had a bowl of shell casings on your coffee table, which, hey. For him, I'm sure it is a piece of pride because I'm sure that every single one of those shell casings came from an animal that he killed. This is fucking America. And yeah, it is America. No one asked, right? What the hell do you have a, you know, a big plate of, you know, 40 caliber bullets on your table? I will also say. I don't feel like he's very approachable either. That would be he's the not. other thing I would say. And he is an older guy who is, he is 80 years old, legit. Yeah. He wears Velcro strap sandals and dress socks. Like, he's that guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't wear that at Morton's, though. He had nice shoes. You know, hey, cool. He's I'm just, up. but that's who, he's just a crusty old dude, right? Yeah. He is a Trump Republican. He is a trophy hunter who wants to kill a rhinoceros. He is, he is the, he has said that he's just not my cup of tea. So by the way, Greg Hawkins. Yes, I did say that. Fat Jesus said, did Dennis curse the uppity Ukrainians at dinner? No, but I'm sure he was thinking it. Uh, Marcus wants to know how important is your mother-in-law? Cause if she's at all valuable, you probably need to figure it out. <laughs> well, but I, I think I've had really honest conversations with my mother. Yeah, I guess I'll have to figure something out. Yeah. yeah but I haven't been disrespectful to this guy. Don't get this wrong. Yeah, you haven't been disrespectful to him. I do think that, you know, listen, the way he <laughs> Greg takes says it, I'll definitely be wearing Velcro when I'm 80. Yeah, I mean, the way he takes it is is his prerogative. I mean, if he's offended, he's offended, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, I agree it's probably not worth your time. But I'm not going to sit here and say that you did something that was way out of line. No. I don't think you did. And I, no. and I will. And, by the way, we're all going to Hawaii together in August. Like, I've got time to spend around this, if he still lives. I mean, if he ain't dead from well, old age. Well, that's the funny thing, and we really have to go. It's 8 o'clock now. But, but, oh, wow, yeah. But but the last thing I'll say, what's really funny about the whole thing is his age is kind of a running joke, 
after he was introduced to the family the first time and some comments were made by good old grandma. By my mother-in-law who said, well, when he dies, I'll just move back in here. <laughs> like, not kidding. She was laughing through not kidding. Yeah. He ain't young. Yeah, but she makes this assumption that he's going to be dead in like a couple of years. He ain't. This, and it's like, no. No. He's that guy that lives to 100. I don't see that. He's, uh, he's don't the guy. Keep it real. Yeah, keep it real. He that dude that lives to 100 because he just does it to spite you. He will yes. not die early because he thinks that would make me happy. Yes. Yes. Prick. Anyway, he's not. He, well, he is, but he's. To, so to be continued. To be continued. Yes. Mrs. Monty, good to hear from you again. Well, thanks. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate all of you being here. Please hit the like button. Give it. Give us a subscribe. Really helps the channel grow. A lot of new listeners today. Thank you so much. Um, no, I'm not going to answer that comment. I'm not going to answer that comment. Much more on the jazz tomorrow. Until then, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.